0: Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center. This is CM Alexander with the news. In weather, expect heavy snowfall and mysterious lights around the Jefferson tract over the next few days. Meteorologists and black helicopters are flying in to witness this rare phenomenon. One accompanying soldier said was called, "For sure, not UFOs." You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. <music> This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, C.M. Alexander, alongside Joshua Kahn.
1: Hey, everybody.
0: And Benjamin Graham.
2: Hello, constant readers.
0: And today we are covering another Patreon selection by Lisa Kahn, Dreamcatcher, where we are reading through part one, and we have Josh leading our discussion.
1: Yeah! Do you guys believe in aliens?
0: Oh, um...
2: (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, yes and no. The universe is so vast that the odds that we're the only life that's ever developed is pretty low, but also it's been around for so long and will be around for so long that thinking that they exist at the same time as us... Or anywhere that they can be anywhere near us, probably not. Interesting, Sam. So, yeah.
0: Basically, what Ben said. I don't believe in gray men necessarily, as we've seen throughout history and pop culture. But I do definitely believe there's life on other planets and moons. Europa, there's water under there. Has to be something.
2: Yeah, and if there is life, it's going to be so fundamentally different. Like uh, humanoid aliens, not a chance mm-hmm. in hell. The, the idea of simultaneously evolving to have two legs, two arms, and a head is yeah. pretty insane.
0: Now, toothy worm monsters, for sure.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> I've seen Dune. <laughs> <laughs> well, I ask that because this book, before it even gets to the book, is just a list of UFO sightings. Wait, farts must flow.
2: Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> Cause, cause I hate this, that. Never mind. Yeah, this is a real farty book. Ugh, it's a farty burpy book. I, you, if you told me
2: that <laughs> Stephen King wrote a book that was like ninety percent fart <laughs> jokes, I would have been like,
1: uh, yeah, okay. And then it happens, and you are like, why? <laughs> it, it feels like it shouldn't be as ominous as it turns out to be. Uh, well, okay, so let's get into to Dreamcatcher. I'm really, really interested by the time we complete part one to find out where the story is going. I've not read this. Have both of you read this? Yeah. No. Oh, your first time uh, then.
2: I have never read it. I have seen the movie mm. years ago, and the only thing I remember is it wasn't good did <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the end. I, re- I remember thinking, this movie's insane. What
1: is happening? <laughs> All right. And uh, I think it's. Adapted pretty well. So far, yeah. Uh, uh, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Well, in in this book, we have... The way I described it to someone is it's the body with farts. Sorry, (laughs) grown-up the body with farts.
0: I just like, out of context, the body with
1: farts. (laughs) 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 Saying stand by me would be an easier reference, but it doesn't sound nearly as funny.
0: You know what's weird? Because Hmm. you're totally Right. I remember having difficulty feeling attached to the characters in Stand By Me and the body, but I love our guys in Dreamcatcher.
2: That's insane, (laughs) but we'll get to it. And I, I do agree that you're right, that it does have shades of the body. But the whole book, I kept thinking of it in terms of just this cosmic gumbo, if you will, Of Stephen King's own ideas, just all thrown into a big blender.
0: That's what I like about it. I mean, the way you describe it makes it sound sort of slapped together.
2: (laughs) I 1000%
3: believe it is.
0: Yes, (laughs) But I I love all of the little threads that are part of a very specific Stephen King universe. Mm. And this book fits right into that, whether it... Does it with as much grace as some other books have? I don't know.
2: <laughs> i I do know. Th- gr- <laughs> grace is the how do we even put it? This is the least graceful book I've ever read. <laughs> this book is like the, if if a book like, you know, the body is the body is to dreamcatcher what the movie, the body or stand by me is to a movie someone made of a bunch of horror movies chopped together and constructed into one mess <laughs> in a good way. I like this is what I'm trying to oh, say. Okay. I what I'm trying to say is it's it's a crazy book in the way that Tommy Knockers was crazy where it's just a million ideas thrown at a wall,
1: you know? And some of them that you look at and you're like, oh, this idea was used somewhere else. Y- Given depending on the timeline. If, yeah. Uh, I don't remember the order any of these things came out in. So I don't know if it's a new <laughs> idea or an old idea.
2: Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is I
1: hate all of the characters. <laughs> okay. okay. Let's. Uh, I I love the way we get to meet our four main characters in this first part where they each get their own short story, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is funny because of how often we've kind of talked about that when we get King short stories that you get a chance to really flesh them out. So uh, let's let's dive into that. First, we have Beaver. We meet Beaver in 1988, going through some hard times. CM, you want to tell us what's going, what's happening to Beaver?
0: Yeah, Beaver has recently been divorced, and it sounds like he wasn't super into being divorced, but she was. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great an interesting way. To put way. That. <laughs> and he's he's realizing that he's kind of falling into a, a spiral of of not giving a fuck. He's drinking too much, smoking too much pot, just hanging around with people kind of doing nothing. And we we meet him at a bar where he is with some other guys that frequent that place. And this one guy is telling a story about a concert he went to and he has a quote "Hickey" on his neck yeah and he starts talking about how he got this hickey and beaver joe is his actual name i believe Mm -hmm. he's the beave has this this internal monologue where he is he knows what the guy's gonna say and not just because he's heard him tell shitty stories before it's a supernatural thing which i thought was really cool like immediately you're like "Ooh, powers all right right
2: It it is, yeah, he sees the line. Is he the first one to say the line? I think it's Pete. Pete Pete. says the line. Yeah, yeah, he he can know things that he shouldn't know, which to me takes a huge backseat to the way he fucking talks. What do you mean? What do I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Are you going to make me list? (laughs) How many visitors? The sheer (laughs) amount. Of, th- this guy wins the prize for the most catchphrases.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is It is definitely quantity over quality. <laughs> <laughs> that is a kind way to put it. Oh, <laughs> well, he does have a lot of shit.
0: He does. It's, it's like a book of Mad Libs.
2: <laughs> yeah. God, what are some of them? First of all, the overarching most important one, Same Shit, Different Day, that they speak, they, they talk about it as though they are the... F- first people to have come up with it
1: they're the first people to summarize it to ssdd a <laughs> uh, bitch in a buzzsaw is my favorite one of beavers oh, so we're going around the horn kiss <laughs> my bender that
2: hurts me to even say it it's so fucking stupid what
0: was the bananas one
2: who cares <laughs> yeah it's just an an unending litany and every other character that talks about the beaver are like man he had such a way with words (laughs) he he really could like hit creative really great
1: obscene profanity and it's the dumbest shit but when you're a kid that's it's it's not as funny as an adult but i get that all those things were probably hilarious as a kid Mm -hmm. and they just it's kind of a holdover now was there something else about... No, he tells that guy
2: crotchless panties and leaves.
0: <laughs> that,
2: that's, that, that's, is there a better yeah.
1: way to put that?
0: No, and we're just going <laughs> to leave it at yeah. that.
1: and he heads out into the night. Uh, next, we, in 1993, we meet Pete. Ben, do you want to tell us what happens with Pete? I was actually a little confused by this because... One of the things that the beaver
2: says in the beginning is he needs to stop drinking or pretty soon he's going to have a problem like Pete has a problem. Mm. Well, we meet Pete and he's a car salesman who has a, a NASA keychain because mm. he dreamed of being an astronaut as a kid. But he's he's kind of a dummy and uh, has grown up to be what I was like, this guy seems like a, just a pretty successful normal dude. And he keeps being like, oh, I can't drink because it's not five. Only alcoholics drink after five. And I'm like, he's waiting. Like, this (laughs) guy fine. What's (laughs) making the big deal? Later on. (laughs) Sure. Yeah.
0: I think if you have to have, it's good to have hard rules around (laughs) something like that. But if you are in need of them, there's probably a reason.
2: (laughs) As someone who is several years sober. Yeah. Anyway, he is sitting in his car dealership board. And a lady comes in having lost her keys, and another reason I was like, he's he's so charming, yeah. That it's you you get why people would like him, why he would be have this friend group.
0: Well, his his specialty is so much more like tangible or mm-hmm. visceral than the others. I think his his introduction was my favorite, just because it was so much easier to picture in. Like the way he was watching her in his mind, I felt like I was watching him watch her in his mind.
2: It is one of my favorite parts mm-hmm. of the book. You get a real liking for the character more than any of the other characters, in my opinion. But
0: well, I wonder if that's because he is an addict and mm-hmm. King, you know, really knows how to write that character. And that's kind of close to his heart.
2: Like you said, he has this ability which is something once we meet all of our characters i do have a question about these powers mm. they're real ill defined <laughs> <laughs> but his ability is he can find lost things he holds up a finger in front of his his face and ticks it back and forth what does he say it's like um it's
0: like a ritual
2: yeah and once he does that he can see this yellow glow and he follows it around this uh to the to the convenience store and then to her car and Reaches into a puddle and pulls out her keys and she acts like it is the scariest thing that has ever happened to her.
0: Okay, this is weird because, well, it's a little more scary than that because he's telling her things she did and said that he wasn't there to witness. Mm. That were very, like, you wouldn't necessarily just guess that specifically. But I was also upset that she, uh, if if I was a single lady and a dude found my keys that way, I'd be like, heck yeah, I'll meet you at five. In fact, screw this house sale let's go out now he's so cool
2: <laughs> he's and he's so smooth he's so about nice. it like yeah th- when they were meeting i was like oh this is like a thing i mm-hmm. i like these two i hope they're happy uh <laughs> but as soon as he he does this she immediately jumps in her car and drives away leaving pete to be like well shit but he's still he's feeling happier Having helped someone,
0: well, because he saw the line, his power,
2: and because he heard the click, he saw the mm-hmm. line,
0: and that's not something that many of them have been experiencing as much as when they were kids.
1: And it's still just sad that he still goes to the place that she said she'd meet him. And yeah. Oh yeah, he sits at the bar. He's and,
2: still a hugely sad person. All four of our they, main characters are. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, I. My favorite thing about his whole chapter, though, is when he's like, "It's fine, Trish. She hasn't said her name yet. Whoops, she <laughs> did, she did not catch that. Cool, and just moves on." Next, we meet in 1998. We meet Henry because Henry is uh, taking care of a couch man. I'm also a bit of a couch man myself. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: why, why would you not sit on a couch?
1: Yeah. If my options are couch or chair, I'm taking couch all day, baby.
0: Man, Henry's story bugs me.
1: Really? This is. This is what? The,
0: are you being sarcastic? Yes. Oh. This I is loved the
2: part it. where I texted you. I have never hated a book this much. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I was uh, misplacing my anger at the book. It should have been directed just at the
1: character, Henry. Really? Uh he a dick and bad at his fucking job. <laughs> I think that's yeah. why I like him. He, I'm a dick and bad at my job. <laughs> I,
0: I, oh, this is not an excuse. It's to understand his behavior. He is sinking into a black depression. So hopefully he at some point was a good, psychiatrist but he is not recently
2: yeah and and i I agree but yeah like you said mental health isn't you know an excuse to berate a clearly mentally unwell man
0: (laughs) when you've spent however many years not treating him basically exactly and and i don't know like Maybe it's different for psychiatrists because my my license is for social work. It's not cool to just be like, well, I'll just take his money and let him continue yeah. to be neurotic and not try to address it. You would probably try to refer them to someone who maybe could help them better
2: than yeah, you. Yeah, uh, someone that doesn't actively dislike them. That is such a huge... Okay, so Henry is a psychiatrist and he's seeing this guy, Barry,
1: who...
0: Loves food as much as I do. It he is 5'7", is,
1: is 420 pounds, and a compulsive eater with a trust fund. It
2: is, once again, Stephen King, <laughs> I know you're not listening to this, and I, I deeply love you and your works, but we gotta talk, my man. What's your problem with fat people? <laughs> did, one of, did one of us hurt you?
1: <laughs> one of us hurt you.
2: I, I want to know, because it is written with such an obvious distaste it is not even just like oh yeah this guy was really fat it is like this guy's fat fuck him
0: <laughs> i don't <laughs> the, disagree that's yeah. how it was yeah
2: the the only way that i got through this part honestly was making a discovery that i would like to share with our listeners not just for stephen king this is for any time anyone is um uh, being fat phobic just replace the word fat with thick the end that's the the trick at one point he's talking barry this patient of his the reason he has this problem is he thinks he killed his mother his mother was uh, hypochondriac and was always yelling and he didn't go to get her when she fell out of her bed and died but during this he in his head henry describes her as disgustingly fat at 300 pounds and it's way funnier If the phrase is Henry didn't know, couldn't have known that his mother was disgustingly
1: thick. (laughs) And that's fantastic. Yeah, I sign off on this. I sign fat is out. Thick is in. Anyway,
0: can I say the one my one favorite moment from Barry, though, was the way he described Mm. how he orders burgers so that the cheese is really hot that is gold. That made my mouth water. Like, I respect that shit.
1: Barry's a, a guy with a plan, you know. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's just a kindly, innocent food pervert. Leave him alone. <laughs> there's it's it's clear that there's been some terrible there's terrible feelings here, and uh, Henry basically checks out, and he starts thinking about hole in the wall. Uh, which is the name of the cabin that they would go hunting in and how all of his friends are going to be together in the Jefferson Tract soon. Because all of these stories seem to take place uh, in different years, but around the same time that the hunting trip is nearby. Mm-hmm. So it's always this thing that's on the horizon looking forward to. <laughs> but after he comes out of it and he, he's like, hey, you think you eat too much because you killed your mom? <laughs> and, which goes about as well as you would think.
2: It's more than that. He is like purposefully berating yeah he's poking him
0: he knows he needs to stop and Barry's upset and he doesn't yeah
2: he's even thinking in his like in his head he's like he knows he should stop but this feels pretty cool
0: (laughs) I, I thought that line though that he tells him really mean but beautiful about how he's like his heart is like somebody beating their fists against the coffin like he's dying that just the way that was put together is like if somebody said that to me I would be upset but I'd have to stop and be like Wow, that was super poetic. Are you a poet? <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> and then Barry, a couple years later, does die.
1: At the ripe old age of Yeah, it's too bad like he didn't have a nine. shrink that mm-hmm. fucking gave a shit. <laughs> but it's it, it's weird that Henry Well, the fact that Henry calls about it later either implies he's been following this guy or that Barry came back. No, no it's a oh, newspaper. Yeah. That's right.
0: But it it does imply that. He knows he messed up, and he does somewhere feel guilty about it.
1: Yeah. And lastly, we meet Jonesy, who is uh, an associate professor in Boston, and uh, in in the year two thousand one, and it is a day that he will never remember.
0: <laughs> That's true. Yeah. He, he's my favorite, but I think I'm biased because I cannot picture him as anyone other than Damian Lewis, who plays him <laughs> in the movie, and I love him.
2: I, that's another thing. Is reading this book is I remember the cast yeah. of the movie, but I don't remember who played who. Oh, Jason. So in my head, they're all just <laughs> jumbled up, <laughs> and uh, my I know that I'm pretty sure Jason Lee plays the Beed, Beaver, yep. but I, I did enjoy imagining Jonesy as Jason yeah. Lee for some oh. reason.
1: <laughs>
0: this, this though too, because okay, I don't want to brag. But I've taught one college course.
1: <laughs> Professor <laughs> C.M.
0: Alexander, mm-hmm. yes. I really liked the way this story went because I i didn't know. I couldn't remember. It's been a really long time since I read the book. I couldn't remember how this was going to shake out with the student. And it was positive And I really mm-hmm. liked that. And I guess it didn't need to be bad because the thing that happens after that was terrible enough.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was ready to hate uh, Joe and because he calls the student in and is like, uh, ready to confront him he's obviously like cheated or done yeah, something I cheated on a test, get in trouble and he starts to like go in on him and i'm like oh it's just fucking henry all over again he's mm-hmm. he's just gonna berate this kid while in his head he's like man this sucks for me <laughs> <laughs> but then he he brings a kid aside and he's like you're on here on scholarship and you know what happens if you get caught cheating so it's too bad you missed my test right
0: because you're, you're sick
1: yeah it is a very cool move. Yeah. is nice. It was very positive.
0: And I, I liked that he, I feel like he wasn't sure what he was going to do with the kid. But then because he reacted with with remorse, like it, he didn't try to fight it. He didn't threaten him like, well, I'm going to go to the board and blah, blah, blah. And you can't do this. He was just ready to accept it. And he's like, well, you know, he's only 19. Maybe there's still potential for him to grow up to be a decent man and I'll give him a chance. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then there's this offhanded remark that that kid will later send flowers to his hospital room. Oh,
0: yeah, because he tells him, next time you think about buying beer, buy some new sneakers, because his sneakers are messed up. And later it's like, he wouldn't buy beer or sneakers. He sent flowers. I'm like, oh yeah. my god, it's this is... So, so great.
2: I, I do have to... I know that we haven't even left the, <laughs> the prologue yet, <laughs> but I do have to say something about this book's use of... What I'll dub nasty foreshadowing, because it is not delicious. It's not done <laughs> wow, well. Wow, this better be real good. It, that part that you just mentioned was pretty good. Yeah, but there's some of the writing is just clumsy, and a lot of the ways that this is set up. Uh, there's a lot of these like little foreshadowing bits that he does.
0: It is foreshadow forward.
2: Yes, there's a lot. <laughs> And sometimes it works, but other times, like, at the, the very first page, we mentioned SSDD, where he says, what's the line? When we were four, we believed SS, or the, the first half. <laughs> and when yeah. we were five, we believed the whole thing. And then when we were four again, we only believed the second. That means nothing. <laughs> they try to explain it later, and it's like, okay, it's a stretch, but fine. <laughs> it is just such a drunk guy thinking he's saying something really profound <laughs> which to be fair, Stephen King was on massive opiates <laughs> while writing this book.
0: It's it's a definitely a book that you benefit from reading and then rereading because then you're like, "Oh, I know what this means and this means and this means." Mm. And maybe that's not a great way to set up a book, but it's fun on the second read. <laughs> oh, the other Good. the other important thing that happens during Jonesy's part is that Henry calls him up right before this kid gets there for his appointment. And he's like, hey, just be careful today. And he's so relieved by this appointment having gone well that he changes his plans for the afternoon. He was going to have his lunch at his office. And now he goes outside to have it and then gets hit by a car and almost dies. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's that's rough. And then we jump into the actual events of the book that begins with. Him say, them saying, uh, "Killing Richard McCarthy wouldn't have hurt, but it might have helped." I and I was like, I like "What that. the fuck <laughs> is going on?"
0: And Richard McCarthy and Becky are mentioned in the very like first page too.
1: Oh, I totally missed that. Mm-hmm. God damn! They are.
0: Yep. Ah.
1: See, second read.
0: I listened to this five times before today. You're
1: a you're an insane person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we open up with Jonesy is up in uh, in a tree.
0: The the deer. The deer blind? Yes. Yeah. Wait, it's a bird blind. It's a deer lookout? I think it's still blind. Are they all blind? It's it's still
2: blind, yeah. Because you can't see them. Everything I know about hunting came from that one episode of King of the Hill, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I went to school uh, in the country and everybody got the the first day of hunting season was officially a day off of school.
0: Oh my God. (laughs)
1: Because otherwise no one was there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We had a kid drive his pickup to school with a deer in the back the dead deer in the back. He'd forgotten to take it out before he came to school. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So Jonesy's up in the tree blind. He got up there, not just because his joints hurt if he's down and it's cold, but he's kind of realized he doesn't want to kill anything anymore, but he still wants to hang out and drink beers.
0: I love the way that he describes his feeling too, because he's talking about it in terms of, you know, death came to find me that day on the road. It came to find me in the hospital. It missed me. And I'm not interested in inviting death around, even if I'm the one dealing it.
1: Until he almost deals it.
0: <laughs> that was really so. Uh, growing up in the country, is this like a thing that you've heard about or not? Hunting about? accidents? Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the eye fever. Yeah. I no. I've never heard anybody explain eye fever before. So I think that might be made up. I mean, I, I guess it's possible because if you if your brain is saying I hear sounds, must be a deer. Because it's only deer out here, you will see signs of a deer.
0: Or a lot of people have gotten away with killing their spouses and children on hunting accidents.
1: Yeah, it's because hunting is dangerous. and accidents happen,
0: mm.
1: and sometimes those accidents end up with you getting a lot of money. Note to self: <laughs> Do not go hunting with CM. <laughs> yeah, I it
0: was with Josh, he's no the one...
1: definitely CM. You're right. <laughs> Wink. No, wait, sorry. Those. <laughs>
0: I was supposed to say it. Yeah.
1: He is a, essentially a half a pound of pressure on his finger away from shooting Rick in the head. Because he's like, oh, there's an eye. Turns out that's just a button. Those are <laughs> antlers. Those are just branches he walked by. But he's <laughs> about to pull the trigger and then he sees this man stumble out who looks just kind of lost and is mumbling to himself over mm-hmm. and over. It's a kind of creepy introduction.
0: Super creepy if you think about it.
2: I, I have this theory. This book would be extremely good and extremely scary if you removed all dialogue and what anyone thinks. If it was just a very dry accounting of the things that happen, yeah. it would be terrifying.
0: Rick's it, whole introduction and interactions and everything with them is a horror movie.
2: Yes, it is an awesome, like, inciting incident of this stranger lurching out of the
0: woods. Mm. But, Instead, we get farts.
2: <laughs> yeah, but then everyone starts farting and <laughs> pooping aliens and whatnot. We're jumping ahead there, Ben. Oh, spoiler <laughs> alert. Someone poops an alien someone later. Someone poops
0: an alien. Poop implies a voluntary situation.
1: <laughs> That's true.
2: Never voluntarily pooped?
0: Well, I guess I Come have. Come on. <laughs> grow up. <laughs> what? Well, Do I to grow up?
3: Up? I don't. <laughs> Do you, have I not had enough?
0: Come on, diarrhea to Come be an on. adult.
2: <laughs> There's a limit. You have diarrhea. Shit, you have you to. You shit your pants. Grow
1: up. Come on.
0: No, I have never accidentally shit my pants. I have heard so many stories about other people doing it. I'm baffled. Come on.
1: Grow it, up. it happens. Grow up. <laughs> grow up, Jesus, We're all adults. Oh my
0: God. Everybody
1: poops their pants.
0: I think you guys need to grow up.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: Everybody poops their pants as adults
1: as adult. yeah there's that famous book <laughs> I that wait. i wrote
0: <laughs> oh my okay let's keep going yeah
1: jonesy watches this guy walk forward until he sees hole in the wall and starts going towards it and then falls in the snow and just starts yelling oh deer over and over again so jonesy he's like fucking he, piglet yeah. from well, winnie yes. the boo because
0: he wants jonesy to know that he is a deer Oh dear, oh dear, I'm a deer. I'm a deer. I Uh, could have made uh, that better, but I didn't want to. (laughs) Jonesy
1: climbs down and comes up to him, and he's just so happy. He sees a building, he sees a person, and Jonesy takes him inside to get him warm, try to figure out where the hell he came from. Uh, And this is where we get a, a description of Hole in the Wall which it's not lavish by any means it's it's a nice hunting cabin mm-hmm. with a giant dream catcher hanging over the the center of the living room is that right yeah and he gets McCarthy inside McCarthy like makes him take his jacket off like you take the jacket off a child
0: he, yeah he's he goes back and forth from just being like grateful to be rescued and and just kind of flustered to childlike and what i thought was really cool is there was a moment where he's he was telling Jonesy that something was like in the woods in the night mm. and he thought it was a bear or something, but he gives him this weird sideways look and Jonesy gets this awful feeling about it, like it's a not menacing but just not the way you would look at somebody. And then he does it again later, but it's not weird and he's like, "Oh, I imagine that probably," but that's definitely
2: it. It is unnerving, and I am positive I've said this about other King books before, but when i read this i couldn't help but imagine it as directed by Eden lynch
1: yes well this is where we have rick sitting down on the couch and he we finally get some of his story that he says he's been lost in the woods f- since yesterday he's a lawyer him and his friends were up there hunting they must have gotten split up somehow and jonesy's like it's it's fine we'll all of my friends are out we'll get back we'll find your people and figure out where you came from. And in this conversation he notices that Rick's missing some teeth and not just auxiliary teeth. He's missing mm-hmm. the right up front. And he's a lawyer, so
0: Yeah. And the way he smiles at him, he clearly doesn't know he's missing teeth.
1: Yeah. And he has this weird reddish, orangish patch on his cheek that he keeps mindlessly scratching that they he thinks could be frostbite. Could, could it could it please be frostbite
0: god it was a little too described as a little too organic to be frostbite
1: yeah and this is when Beeve comes back and huh. it's so Beeve brings him his book cuz he left his book up in the deer blind which i thought that was a really nice show of character for Beeve
0: jesus christ bananas that's what it was
1: oh god <laughs> yeah that's the one um get, when they
2: this is the part where i went over up to this i was just like Not a fan of any of these characters, but the genuine affection between these Mm -hmm. two adult men is not something you get in a lot of uh media. Yeah. I was like, it it was so touching Mm -hmm. that was a part where I was like, I'm I'm turning around on these guys. And was kinda upset that Jonesy and Beaver didn't get together in the end. (laughs) (laughs) There's still time.
1: No. No, (laughs) no. In another life, on another mm. level of the tower. Yeah. At this point, they see the snow starting to come down and Henry and Pete went to get beers, so they're still not back yet and they're just going to hunker down and wait. And that's when it happens. Rick farts so loud and for so long, <laughs> it embarrasses all three of them. <laughs> Which-
2: you, that is, you've just written a one-sentence synopsis of the first <laughs> <laughs> the first part of this book. <laughs> The characters fart so long and so loud,
1: everyone dies. Even the reader is embarrassed.
0: <laughs> it really, really takes its time describing <laughs> Rick's experience with his bowels.
1: See, I imagine that just made me think about how intense. Think about the loudest <laughs> barp or furt you fur. <laughs> <Barp>
3: or fur. <laughs>
1: about the loudest burper fart you've ever had and then I'm times sorry I,
3: can't
1: I need I can't even laugh Barber it first. broke my brain god damn it I knew what I meant Sam what's your loudest fart
0: how do I answer that question
1: all I'm saying is would it embarrass me and Ben
0: I feel like it's Just normal (laughs) loud. Just normal. I don't understand what you've never had an
1: exceptional fart. All right, Sam. Grow up. Grow up, (laughs) Sam. Jesus.
0: I hate you guys. Uh, Oh, this
2: is our worst episode yet.
1: This carries on for some time, (laughs) as it did in the show with us. Uh, until they finally say, hey, man, just go lay down. Maybe just take a load off. And they notice that the pot belly he had is getting smaller because he's passed so much gas. Mm-hmm. Like, they, the intensity they thought he was going to either shit everywhere or throw up everywhere. He does neither of these. Yet. Yet.
0: We should talk about the smell. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which i not going to do. It smells like ether and ripe bananas. Which
2: can you think of a worse smell just off the top <laughs> of your head? That sounds neither of those things are like that unpleasant by themselves, but put them together and I don't know, force them out of butt. <laughs> Bad. I don't, I don't know that I can conjure
1: the smell of ether in it's, my. It's like brain.
2: A, imagine rubbing alcohol.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, that like does that sound unpleasant. Ding! Right.
0: That's weird.
1: That's weird.
0: Yeah, it's just weird. All right. I couldn't imagine it either.
1: Well, they get him laid down and they move into the kitchen to have a private conversation. And that's when Beaver's like, this is worse than he thinks it is because he said he's been missing yesterday. He's been missing for four days. He has lost time.
0: And the, the locations that he's given do not make sense mileage wise for him to be here unless he traveled like 15 miles a day for three days in one night. And he also, they point out that he doesn't have three days worth of growth. Mm -hmm. He only has a little bit of stubble. So (laughs) Beavers, like concocting this scenario where for some reason, Mm -hmm. guy gets lost in the woods, loses his gun, did have his razor in his (laughs) coat pocket. And the last day he lost it.
2: You know know what this part made me think of? The Colorado Kid. This Mm -hmm. is a A. matter of one of those things that is impossible but
1: not in a show showoffy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we jump to Henry's scout. Henry and Pete on their way back from the store and Henry is just thinking about suicide. I do like the way it it, it eventually plays out with, well, I don't really have to worry about it. driving through the storm isn't so bad. What's the worst thing that can happen? I die.
2: <laughs> I have to ask you guys a question about the something while he's d- considering suicide at this point in the book i switched from reading to the audiobook Mm. which i don't know whether that was a good idea or not because the number of bad boston accents is great yeah at the beginning of this chapter he's he's thinking about the hemingway solution which is obviously shooting yourself in the head with a shotgun But he also goes over a bunch of other ways he could kill himself, and one of the things he says is like one way that has really interested him is this thing that he read in one of Jonesy's mystery books. I'm doing this this off the the top of my head. Japanese method? Yes, there's this Japanese method of killing yourself where you put a big rock on a chair, and then you tie a rope around the chair er, or around the around the rock and around your neck. And then you tip the chair over and sit up straight with your back braced and it
0: It strangles you. How? Wouldn't your your survival instinct kick in and you would move? I I don't
2: understand. I I, I thought it was maybe because I was listening to it and I just couldn't parse what the guy. But then I went back and reread that just to try. It's completely unimportant to anything. But I couldn't figure out the action he is describing. Are you sitting in... What What are you sitting on? He just says, sit with your back braced in another chair? Then why do you have the first chair? Why don't you just, Are you sitting in the first chair? You're sitting on the rock? You See, tip the chair over, then you fall out and the rock's just on the floor. Just hang
1: yourself, man. I what you are should, you
0: doing? He should just choke himself.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Jerk off that way. That's what closets are for. Yeah. So it's they awful. almost run a woman over.
0: Mm. Uh, and... Their defense, she's sitting in the middle of the road, and Henry has been driving a little recklessly and then kind of coming back to himself like, oh, yeah, Pete's with me. Can't kill Pete, too. And and this was kind of mean. Pete was like, hey, man, slow down. And he's thinking if Pete had one more beer, he would not notice how fast I was going. Yeah.
2: It's almost like Henry is a huge. um, Dick. Yeah. Narcissistic (laughs) asshole that only cares about
0: himself. (gasps) Oh, Oh, Josh! That's
1: why I like Henry. Oh, yeah, oh man, <laughs> it all comes together. <laughs> why, why you gotta come at me like that, dog?
0: Oh, but they flip their vehicle.
1: <laughs> yeah, that they swerve and to the point that they would have beca- they would came in inches from smacking this lady with the rear bumper of the jeep, and they roll over and they crawl it, and she hasn't moved, still hanging out.
0: Bad I'm just imagining her not blinking or flinching as this car almost crushes her once
2: again as a silent like just series of events Mm -hmm. if you didn't have Henry like imagining nonsense suicide methods or or talking about how big of a piece of shit Pete is (laughs) then this is just as a series of images very
1: very cool they crawl out of the car Henry gets Pete loose and they're kind of both worse for the wear. Henry starts laughing like a maniac, and eventually gets himself under control. And he goes over to check on this woman, and he sees that her eyes are blank. There are no tracks in any direction around her. She got big o titties,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, and she's also grown and,
1: up. And she's grown up in her forties.
0: Well, because she's farting, okay, and then
1: and then she lets it out. She lets it all out and spooky.
0: <laughs> Although I don't know, I'm feeling like if you're in a situation where someone was attacking you and you could pull that off, you might get away. <laughs> I just fart far, really farting bad. As self defense. I, you're, yeah. thinking, you're thinking
1: about skunks.
0: Oh, shit. you're thinking
1: <laughs> skunks. But they, he, Henry gets her to her feet, and she keeps burping and farting, and he's not seeing any recognition come across her face. And I just I like that he he's like, we need to move and has Pete grab his belt so that he can walk with her and not take his eyes off her. Because the second he does, he knows she's gonna hit the ground. Mm-hmm. Too bad Pete's leg don't work so good no more. <laughs> and that's the moment they see nine or ten circling lights in the sky.
0: And Becky screaming, They're back, they're back. Like now she's finally seems like a person mm-hmm. for and, a
2: moment. <laughs> and I'm wondering. This would be such a cool just
1: UFO story if not for the farting.
2: It's gonna be a
1: my, pretty much my you know, final, but eventually we get to why it serves a purpose.
0: But I'm I'm glad that you're also like too much farts because I had a hard time listening to it. It's like, geez, okay, yeah, we get it. it and they talk in
2: circles about it for so long. Because the, our our four main characters are in two different spots, mm-hmm. dealing with two different Farts. farters,
3: <laughs> and they
2: both keep discovering that they're they keep farting, and we're like we we know
1: now we're just gonna move on. Henry realizes that they're about ten miles from Hole in the Wall still, and then asks Pete if he can see the line to get them to the nearest shelter. And Pete does it Mm -hmm. and doesn't grab his beer, which probably would have been a good idea at the time, but he sees the line and he can tell, all right, we go over here. We'll go over a hill, go off the road. There's a shack that the roof fell down. If it fell down the right way, we'll be safe. And so they, they, they have a plan now. And then Becky Sue just collapses and they have to drag her the rest Mm -hmm. of the way. And that's when they, the first time that we've referenced, him only as Douglas before, but this is the first time we they bring up Duddits, who was their fifth. We'll we'll get to Duddits way more in a few chapters. Uh, but they start their walk back so that they can get them safe, and then Henry will go for the snowmobile and save the day, which I'm sure is exactly how this part's going to play mm-hmm. out. And then we go back to Jonesy and Beaver who are playing cribbage, cribbage, Crib- cribbage, 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 cribbage. cribbage.
3: <laughs> what is this it's,
1: it's, it's a frog's favorite game it's pretty good
3: <laughs> it's
2: almost as good as wait i have to remember it it's almost as good as the swedish man with the black hair this is what, what the fuck this was in the book <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah
3: yeah
2: like the swedish man with blonde hair this is uh Something of a different color. A Norse of a different
1: color. Which is yeah. nothing. That makes no sense. Of course sense. it does. Norse the blonde hair.
2: Yeah, but a Norse of a different color isn't anything. <laughs> it's not a play on
1: no. I love it. It's still good. Uh then they notice that there's a lot of animals outside, guys. Ben, what did you think about this moment?
2: Once again, it's it's the little just single visuals. I recently saw The Green Knight, which came How out is recently. That? It is an unbelievably beautiful, very, very boring movie. (laughs) And I I left and I was telling my friends, I enjoyed this movie more once I stopped paying attention to the story Hmm. and just experienced it as a series of very fast paintings. So, this, I had, I was like, this is all so dumb the the farting and the characters are all such fucking goof wads. I enjoyed this more when I stopped viewing it as like a novel and just like a series of shit that's happening. Mm-hmm. And once you do that, like the the imagining a painting of these guys standing in the doorway of this cozy cabin while dozens of animals that should not be walking together aren't even running, but slowly walking through your mm-hmm. yard, that's a really unnerving yeah. thing.
0: You ever see animals all fleeing a place? You follow them. You leave too, because yep. something bad is going to happen.
1: And we have this beautiful, terrifying moment and come back to more farts.
0: <laughs> because they just- gets
1: be- the- it gets better. <laughs> this part, though, is when it's the-, the
2: farts stop being farts yes. at a certain
1: point. Because now there's a trail of blood going from the room to the bathroom, and they catch a whiff of the smell, and so now they're trying to get Rick's attention, and he starts just saying that he needs to poop.
0: Yeah, poor guy. They're trying to be down the door, and he's just trying to do number two.
2: Right. And he's so hilariously polite. I know. (laughs) Even even at
1: this point where he's very clearly dying, Mm -hmm. he's just like, come on, guys. (laughs) Guys. but then my favorite thing happens. They hear a helicopter, and oh, Beaver runs out to get its attention because they they have a guy that needs medical attention. This
0: better be important later. <laughs>
1: it's so weird <laughs> That's when this so happens.
0: Great. It it was just weird because he he goes out and he's trying to flag down the helicopter while Jonesy is still trying to make sure Rick is okay, and the guy has a bullhorn. And he's like, "How many of you?" And he holds up his fingers for two because he's like, "Oh, it's me and Jonesy." Yeah, and then the guy's continuing to like explain to him we're we're under quarantine do you need food we'll be back and he's not listening to any of this because he realizes oh shit there's three of us or are there five of us because henry and pete will be back and just it has the most poor gosh darn sweetheart has the hardest time (laughs) figuring out how many people there are (laughs) But the helicopter, you know, he can't make himself heard to say there are five of us. And he's trying to say, this guy needs help. There's something wrong with him. And the guy's like, cool, see you later. And the helicopter takes off.
1: (laughs) Well, he holds up. Oh, wait, there's five. And the guy just waves back (laughs) thinking it's a wave. (laughs) That's great. We jump back to Pete and Becky. And she's also missing teeth. And she at one point said that Rick was the only one left. And Pete says, you know what? I'm going to go back for that beer.
0: No, no. He's going uh, back for the guns. He goes stock. back for the and rifle. If he happens to grab a beer, I mean, why not? You're right there.
1: Yeah. yeah. This
2: part actually. This is very sad. It's so sad and it's so well written. Yeah. Th- this is the part where I was like, I turned around yep. on on Pete. Are
0: you dizzy? What? <laughs> you keep turning around on this book. <laughs> 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 Grow up scene. <laughs> <it's> <laughs> Grow up! <laughs> Not until I take a dump.
1: <laughs> yeah, tell us about it, bud. So uh, it's
2: so sad because of, once again, as someone who has had problems with, with drinking before, how well represented it is. Because he goes back and he's like, I know I can't leave this lady here, but I have to get the guns. I have to. It's really important. And it isn't until he's halfway there when he starts being like, well, the beer's there, too. And by the time he gets to the car, there's this chemical smell, which he doesn't know what it is, but we can assume. Mm-hmm. And he he has this feeling, this bad feeling, that there's something small could be in this wreck. Something small is watching him, which uh, we know by this, because this happens after we find out what happens to...
1: Not yet. No? We haven't gotten to the toilet alien
2: yet. Okay. <laughs> anyway, he he's he goes back and by the time he gets there, he's like, "Oh, well, since I'm here, I better grab these these beer and he grabs a bunch and then he goes to run and he stops and goes, "Well, I'm not gonna come out here and just grab half the beer So he goes back into danger to grab the rest of it and then leaves having forgotten the guns yes. because
0: in yikes. his whole like as he's drinking them and he's thinking about well, I better. I better hide the empties because Mm -hmm. I don't want Henry to come back and see that I went and got the beer.
2: Yeah, the the like shame of addiction
1: is extremely,
2: extremely
1: uh, real. Yeah. And while he's sitting in the snow drinking beers, that's when we finally get the flashback. We start going back in time to hear about how they met Duditz.
0: Can we just address it right off the top?
1: Yeah, Yeah. we should.
0: So the word retard is used a lot in this. And and I've been thinking about this and it's not good to hear. And it has a very negative connotation because people use it to hurt other people who don't deserve it. This was written in 2001 and this term was still used in research papers And it wasn't until 2013 that the Social Security Administration officially changed the language because that happened, because people Mm -hmm. were just using it as a form of abuse. So they changed it from mental retardation to intellectual disability. Obviously, not excusing it. And in the story, the word is used to hurt as well. Mm -hmm. Not all the time. Sometimes it's just used, but there is that element. And it sucks.
2: It sucks so bad. Especially the, like, not just using it, but the justifications throughout. Like it's very clear that Stephen King knows I shouldn't be fucking using this word. All of the characters when um they they finally meet Duditz's mom and uh who is it Pete says uh the arsler mm-hmm. in front of his mom. Stephen King, the writer knows, oh, that's fucked up. But then he has the mom be like, that's cool. And it's like, nah, that's this isn't the thing.
0: Well and that's that's why it, I brought up Mm-hmm. That changed because I feel like we were in that weird time where people were using it poorly, but it hadn't caught on to yeah. like the mainstream. We're like, oh, OK, we need to change this because you guys, you horrible human beings have taken a word and you just fucked it.
1: Right. You've taken and, something serious and used it as a punchline.
0: And so I wondered if he and I'm not saying he should have done this, but I wondered if he was playing around with that. Uh-huh. Like we have people using it both ways to show that.
2: I think that's you know, giving this a lot of credit.
0: Well, but I'm thinking about Stephen King's obvious political leanings yes. because of how he posts and stuff. No, and, and I'm like, I, I don't know. And obviously,
2: like, I'm, I'm not saying, hey, we have to cancel well, Stephen right. King, obviously. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, even with the con- societal content, or er, mm-hmm. context, context, rather, mm-hmm. it still sucks. It yeah. sucks so bad.
0: The thing that I do like about... How Duddits is described is because I've worked with students, you know, little kids who have Down syndrome. He is described with care and heart in a way that if someone reading this has not had that experience, makes him a a human and a human worth your time and attention and respect and dignity.
2: I wish that were true. I wish I felt that way. I I disagree that the book handles it well.
0: I, I think it makes some missteps, but I think there are some parts of it that are like...
2: I, I agree that it is very clear that our four main characters truly and sincerely care about this character, um, which is which is really cool. Uh, I love the scenes of them like teaching him to play cribbage and like teaching him to swear. That's great. I love it. <laughs> great, yeah. But the whole book, not the characters, but the book is so demeaning to Duddits, even if it is in a like. We love him. It is so. At one point, they even say, "Like uh, the four main characters think of him as he was their favorite thing." That's the words King uses. Not favorite person. Not he was their favorite thing. Duddits is not used as a as a character. He is not treated as a person. He is that trope of the. We were really nice to the special needs person, so we're really good people. They're constantly what they're constantly saying, you know, Duddits was the best thing we ever did. It was the best thing we ever oh, did okay. yeah. to yep. treat a person like a person. That is not something you should be patting yourself. But I don't. On the
0: I don't about. think that the book is saying. I, I think the book is taking a look outside of that and pointing that out for us i don't think it's saying oh yeah that should be the best thing you ever do i think it's a commentary on how that shouldn't be an exception that should be so they're saying
2: it's the best thing they ever did not as a look at this great thing we did but it's the best thing we ever did because everything else we've ever done is shit
0: yeah look at them They're because they're all sad sad characters yeah okay that
2: kind of oh. turns it around. Sorry,
0: and, and Ben, your point is valid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I... you do have to be very language. Words have meaning. Yes, and but I, 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 think King is a smarter writer than that, even on drugs. And I think that's how we're supposed to look at that. Like, okay, these flawed people, even when they're doing something good, they're still very flawed.
1: No, I. Uh, this is just gonna read. Re- track old ground so you can cut it but i hey just, if the book does it you can do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is it about farts well i was grow up Grow up cm, I, just,
1: just, up, CM. <laughs> I, it was, I i read the um he was their favorite thing not as the word thing but of all of the people places and things in the world that it's is our favorite of all of the things uh, yeah, and and the the best thing we ever did, not being Duddits, but being how they met Duddits, yeah. like that standing
0: up to bullies instance. who were way bigger than them, who by all accounts should have just kicked all of their asses. Yeah, it it felt like because of that special connection that they have to Duddits, that connection gave them the strength to maybe act in a way that I don't think they would have necessarily for just another peer. Yeah.
1: I like your guys's take on it though, because it's that's a broader. A more world encompassing view mm-hmm. of their whole life. Mine was just very narrow of like what's happening at the moment. Uh, so let's talk about how they met, Duddits. Ah, sorry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was
1: a pain. Of was, voice.
0: You, I, I just remembered. Okay, you're, you're you know, really
2: upset that Duddits uh, interrupted their pussy time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when I was a young lass, me and my girlfriends. All we could think about was sausage. Just, oh, uh, we going want to go to that abandoned warehouse and look at this dude pulling down his pants to show us sausage. Huh. Right, guys? High five, sorry.
1: Grow up, Sam.
0: Grow <laughs> up. Come if on. the word fart has been overused, the <laughs> oh word my God. Pussy this chapter has been twice yes. overused. This,
2: this uh, the, the Duddits chapters made me wish I had not switched audiobooks.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Be, I,
2: because not only do they say the word pussy a thousand times very very quickly within the within the like course three of times, two times in every minutes, sentence. He, the, the narrator says pussy like a dozen
0: times. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with saying that word. Pussy no, is fine. No. It's just doing I don't want to hear any word that much. <laughs> do
2: but doing the voice the Duddits voice is the other reason. Oh.
3: Yeah.
0: All
2: right. Yeah. The audiobook is not fun listen to listen okay, to. It's okay. Don't do the voice. I'm, and But it, it's just, it's rough. Yeah. It's a fine line between portraying a character that That's a is nonverbal with- as opposed to. Why did this character have to be nonverbal?
0: And when when you're writing a book, when this was written, I don't think you're thinking about audio versions. Also true. And I wonder, too, if authors now revise some things because they know, okay, on audio, this isn't going to come out the way I want it to as it does in writing. Yeah.
2: I want to clarify. I didn't mean why does it, why does the character need to be nonverbal as though there shouldn't be a nonverbal character? It's just, if you are going to have a person who's, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Just, it's not fun to hear yeah. is what I, is the point I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. Just be respectful.
1: So on their pussy journey, oh, the four boys, the which stuff. is great. What I love is that they're like, there's a picture of this girl's pussy and we have to go into a warehouse that's like off the main road and they're all like, mm, we are kids and this is dairy. And a lot of us go missing and die in <laughs> secluded areas. But the homecoming queen's pussy, you say. This is
2: 1978. Did anyone do the math? I did not. Me neither. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, I just wanted to know whether this was on a... Uh, uh, a year of... A year of... It, what year did the Losers Club take down uh, Pennywise?
0: They go back in the 80s, right? So yeah. it would have been the 60s? Okay.
1: So, yeah, it was in between times. But still, it was really cool to hear. And they, on their way, they see a torn shirt. And it looks like somebody was dragged in it. And then they find a Scooby-Doo lunchbox. And then they hear just the most horrible scream that they could imagine. Just something that was so full of pure fear. And they rush over and they see these three high school kids... And they see a a small kid who has been stripped down to his underwear. He's bleeding. He's got snot in his nose and he's crying. And they're trying to make him eat a dried turd.
0: The fact that they took his clothes off makes me want to kill all of them. Yes. That is so horrible. It is comically evil. Mm -hmm.
2: Not in that it is funny. It is just so over the top that you're like, and also it's three characters we've never met before have not been mentioned Th- this whole sequence reminded me of the rock fight yes yeah which i uh, in a good way yeah uh, i thought this sequence the kid is stuff per-
0: reminds me of it a lot
2: exactly the, uh, and this sequence in particular i think is the most effective thing that's happened in the entire book but having these three characters these three high school toughs that we don't have the half a book worth of tension building up that, you know, Henry Bowers had,
3: mm-hmm.
2: it's,
1: it comes out of nowhere, kinda. Yeah, yeah, you get, you find out that the kid Richie is, he was the uh, the quarterback and he got his nose broken so he was off the team the and, and he was king. the homecoming king. So his, like, whole life has just mm-hmm. suddenly unraveled because he's a piece of shit mm-hmm. and he's decided to take it out on this kid because he saw this Kid wearing a tiger shirt with his number on it, and so it was that sets him off uh, into just humiliating and threatening this kid's life. Mm-hmm. It is this kid is a, a an instant monster, and it does say after this event that he vows revenge. I don't know if that's going to come back later, but I sure hope so. Oh, it and says sure it ho- doesn't. Oh, he says yeah. that never
2: happened, but something else something
1: did. else did. Yeah. Yeah. And then later they casually implied they killed a guy. But that's that who knows. That was cool. That I was, was like... weird.
2: There are a few, I, I was it, getting on the foreshadowing, but between <laughs> that where they're like, yeah, uh, who is it, Pete? I forget who it is. When there's, he's, Oh, it's Henry. But as he's walking back to Hole in the Wall, he thinks just casually, he's like, you know what? I'm not thinking about that. I'm not thinking about Duddits. I'm not thinking about the time that we killed that guy. <laughs> yeah. I
1: can't wait to get to it. Makes yeah. me want to keep reading. <laughs> right. <laughs> They don't know how to comfort Duddits, and Beaver sings him a lullaby. And he's like, "If you guys tell anybody, I'll murder you all, <laughs> or <laughs> I'll, I'll never hang out with you guys again." That's his threat. <laughs> and then it's, I love that scene because you can the way they talk about the beginning. We were four, became five, mm-hmm. returned to four. You feel them be five the moment that happens, and
0: it's allowing boys to have feelings yeah. and show tenderness. It's mm-hmm. like, thanks. <laughs>
1: They're, they're like, all right, we're going to get we we're to we're all going to walk him home. First, we got to go look at that pussy. Turns out it's just a lady.
0: It's she and she's old. She's like, 30. she's like 30 and she's just showing
1: her underwear.
0: <laughs> That's what you get. So they,
1: yeah. So they, so they move on.
0: I do like that. They're, they're all mad. They're like, we came here for this. And I think <laughs> it's Jonesy who goes, no guys, we came here for this. And he gestures yeah. back towards, you know. Saving dead Yeah.
1: Then we jump real quick back to present day because Henry has also been lost in this memory fog. And suddenly he can feel a cloud coming and he has to get off the road. It's a red-black cloud with a movie going on inside it.
0: A scary movie. (laughs) A
1: scary movie going on inside (laughs) it.
2: I love what he's like, there's a cloud with a movie going, oh, with a movie inside it. That's a stupid thing to think. That's a stupid thing to think, but it wasn't. In my room listening to it, I went, no, you were
1: right the first time.
0: (laughs) Well, we didn't mention, but the book mentions quite a few times that Jonesy loves horror movies. Oh, that's why I like him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So he crawls behind a tree and tries not to scream as the Mm, Arctic cat goes by.
0: and he's he's like biting into the bark of the tree so hard he's bleeding and he doesn't realize yeah. it. I liked that bit; that was nice.
1: And he, he realizes that it's going for Pete, and that whatever was happening back at camp is done now. One of his friends is dead, one is dying, and one had become a movie star. What? Right?
0: Oh, I remember. <laughs> Hi,
1: you
2: monster! Is, is it because one of them is played by Timothy Oliphant?
0: I love him too.
1: Yeah, <laughs> me, me too. He's great. So now we're going to get, let's talk about the horrifying bathroom scene. Cause now we're going to get back. Who wants to the take it? Fucking centerpiece of the,
0: of this, the, this is the greatest
1: part of this first chapter.
0: It's also kind of illustrating an addiction in a way. It's a so yeah, we've gotten. No. Yeah. Okay. So Jonesy and Beaver are outside the door and they finally bust in because they're hearing horrible sounds and Rick's, Finally stopped responding. They, so they, they
2: say it's not like passing wind or breaking or yeah, breaking wind. It sounds like meat tearing. Oh. Yeah.
0: And you guys want me to grow up. I'm not doing that. <laughs> oh, grow up, Sam. Come on. So grow up. They bust into the bathroom and there is blood and excrement on the floor. And Rick's sitting there and they're like, hey buddy, you okay? Mm-hmm. And you know, they do <laughs> that thing where they're like tap his shoulder, and then he falls over into the tub. He doesn't, he falls forward
2: and bashes his skull against the rim of
0: the tub. He's dead. And there's a very abnormally large-sized hole in his bottom.
1: There is a about a foot in length. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So there's something in the toilet and Jonesy makes Beaver sit down on the toilet to keep whatever is in there from getting out. And he's like, "Okay, we gotta we gotta secure this somehow because the thing sounds really big." So they know they can't flush it because it's not gonna flush. And so he's gonna go out to the shed to look for some tape and leave Bev there. And so while he's doing this, he's he passes the tape like instantly and doesn't see it. He's just searching everywhere, and Beaver is sitting on the toilet. And we're getting more flashbacks of their encounter with Duddits and meeting his mom and just nice fun stuff about. Building that relationship with him and they all agreed to walk him to school every day because his mom was worried that the bullies would come after him again and they'd had a friendship all throughout their their schooling and uh, the sad part happens though when he's sitting there waiting and he just needs because this whole time he has been chewing on. Toothpicks. Yes. And it's other characters have commented that he's always been like that. And you know, his mom has said, You're gonna die from that one day, like you're gonna swallow a toothpick or something. And they don't know how his teeth and stomach stand up to all the minuscule wood chips that he must ingest.
1: Oh, beaver.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: I did not catch on to that. Uh-oh. I'm a
0: dumbass. <laughs> so his it's toothpicks, <laughs> during during the scuffle when they were like getting in there to, to try to save Rick and just seeing this horror, his toothpicks fell out. But there's there's a couple that didn't fall in blood or shit. And they're just, just standing
2: puddles yeah, of blood and shit
3: everywhere.
0: They're just barely out of reach. And he thinks, I'm, I can just lean forward for a second. And if the thing tries to get out, all I have to do is sit back down. And so he does that trying to reach for this toothpick. And this thing must have a sense of what's going on because it it like blasts its way, it breaks the toilet coming out of here. L- this is horrible. Like I don't have balls, but it hurts. Oh, oh, this
2: God. whole part. This was actually another instance of if the the dialogue were just <laughs> removed, it'd be so much more effective because this thing is fucking awful. The way he describes yes. it, he's like trying to grab it. And the underside is like, what does he say? Porcupine quills yeah, or something? Yeah, and it's, it's
0: like meaty like, and thick and slippery. Uh, but it wraps its tail around his junk.
2: Yeah, it, it it bites into or it like crushes one of his balls. Mm. And like it says that as he feels this pressure, he feels something rupture. And I'm like, oh, mm. fuck. And he didn't know what that is. But then he yells out out loud, I think
0: that was one of my balls!
2: <laughs> you know, like you would if you were yelling at yourself. Of course.
0: He's he's trying to get a hold of this thing, and he flips over on his back because he's like, okay, I'm going to try to crush it. But it, it gets out from under him, and then it bites off his nose. And Jonesy is is coming back at this point, and he walks into the bathroom with the tape to see this disgusting toothy worm creature latched onto the beef's face and he has time to yell at him get out of here because he knows that once it's finished with him it's going to come for Jonesy which I thought was really sad and sweet before the thing goes for his eyes well the
1: fact that he grips it he Jonesy sees him grip it mm-hmm. even tighter so it can't leap for him. Yeah, he's this it this
0: was after on
2: him. it got hard like an erection oh that part important, was super
0: disturbing
2: important to notice yeah. this
0: That's was not like fair, just you know? All this pussy stuff, and then the dick stuff is this nasty alien worm getting hard.
2: Wait, you wanted the pussy stuff to be
1: a-, a What? No, I what just- What is your problem
0: here? I, I, it's always-
1: Did you want this alien to be more vaginal?
0: No, just- I mean, it's who just, doesn't? <laughs> The lady stuff is just always crude and dumb, and the male stuff's always just goofy and brief.
1: That sounds like penises. That's
0: true. <laughs> <laughs> That's.
3: <laughs>
1: They're dumb. <laughs> uh, Jonesy finally breaks his stunned trance and slams the door only to realize I can't barricade this. It opens the other direction. Mm-hmm. And he just grips onto it, doing whatever he can to make sure it doesn't open. Suddenly realizes he is not alone anymore. I
2: wish the book just ended after this.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because
1: it would have been the most
2: confused
0: I would have ever been. <laughs> this part's terrifying though
2: it's so fucking scary because first the the tension of him he's just holding on to the the doorknob and he's like covered in blood and mm-hmm. stuff so it's slippery and he's like he can feel what is it he sees the thing making dents in the mm-hmm. door and you're like how the fuck is he going to get in and then just completely out of nowhere he turns around he's like he turns around and there's a fucking gray just standing there.
0: I was super duper grossed out when he's like, it's, you know, they got the eyes, right. Mm -hmm. And that was basically like the most correct feature of the gray men. But there's like this white pus leaking from its eyes. Mm. And he says a phrase that Jonesy heard when he was in the hospital after his accident, when he was kind of like coming in and out, but it doesn't open a mouth to talk. He hears it in his head in the same place that they all have, You know, they all feel the line or hear it or whatever each Mm -hmm. of their things are. And then this thing explodes into like red (laughs) dust and Jonesy breathes it in.
2: That's the part. It's the craziest. Just imagining it taking place in real time as it happens of this like really intense struggle is him on the door. Mm-hmm. And then he turns around and alien goes, help. And then his head blows
3: up. <laughs> that,
0: <laughs>
2: that
3: does sound like madness.
0: <laughs> See, that, that's where I'd be like, you know, you'd be like, oh shit, that's terrifying. And then it explodes. You're like, oh, problem solved. Yeah.
2: Done. <laughs> that, this is the scene, the number one scene where I came, like where it occurred to me that this is just like a billion ideas all thrown into a blender. Because think of the horror movie premises that are in this book so far. Being trapped in the wilderness by yourself in a snowstorm. A stranger. A stranger coming into, uh, and not knowing, disease, UFOs. Butt stuff. Butt stuff. <laughs> Butt stuff. There's all of these ideas, and none of them seem to be connected in any way. Oh, yeah, and then the military in a little well, bit.
0: Well, but there, Which is another thing. We, we forgot to mention, too, that, the red, the frostbite, mm-hmm. is like this red mossy stuff that yeah. when they go into the bathroom is also all over the bathroom.
1: Oh yeah, just this mold growing everywhere. Uh, we take a quick detour over to West Dairy Acres, where Roberta, who is now widowed, she is living into the in this new apartment with Duddits. I assumed Duddits was dead because I
2: assumed Duddits was immortal.
1: <coughs> oh God, maybe <laughs> one of us is going to be right because they keep saying that he he doesn't age. That he's for he's yeah. forever a child.
2: I thought no. it was more literal.
1: Yeah. Oh no. I weren't. thought I thought it was because he died. Like the, he'd be forever a child in their mind because, because he had he, Down
2: syndrome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But no, it turns out Duditz has leukemia, mm. and she's taking care of him. Uh, she's watching the news, and uh, it's all about UFO sightings and military running drills up around the Jefferson Tract.
0: And can we? I got to tell you guys, just so we don't. I cried like listening to this. I literally cried.
1: It's heartbreaking because at this moment she hears heavy, terrible sobs coming from the other room, and it's Duddits. She runs in and she asks what's wrong, and he says Beaver's dead. And then we d- go away from that. I want yeah. to spend. I now I want to hold Duddits and I, sing along. I thought
0: his anguish through his mom describing it was mm-hmm. very effective.
1: Now the the last part before we end this part of our reading is we go back to Pete who is. In the most pain he's ever been in his whole life. He, uh, at one point, passed out in the snow trying to get back because his his leg doesn't work anymore. He is crawling on his elbows and one foot. He finally gets back to where he started, sees the fire, and notices... I hope this comes back later. His watch is running backwards. Mm-hmm. Small detail. And he's trying to talk to Becky And goes over and realizes that the entire ass of her pants has blown completely out and there's material everywhere and she's just been dead sitting in front of the
0: fire. and women are stronger because Rick made a big old deal about everything, bitching and moaning the whole time. Becky never said a word.
1: Uh, Rick said he was fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Pete knows something is out there Mm -hmm. watching him, which is so terrifying.
0: And he knows that... It needs something warm and wet either to live in or eat.
1: Yeah. And then he realizes, oh yeah, guns. That's what I was going for. Uh, So he grabs a a stick from the fire and is using that to defend himself. And he is sitting here holding the stick, which is burning down while he's holding it. And he realizes that Beaver's dead and something terrible's happened to Jonesy. And Pete starts begging whatever this is, for some kind of mercy.
2: That part, at least in the audiobook, is super effective. Yeah. Because him just, like,
1: begging nothing,
0: basically, just
1: screaming in the wilderness. We know that something has taken Jonesy's body. We don't know what they've done with it yet. And that Henry and Pete are both picking up voices of military specialists talking about something. They're just hearing Mm -hmm. these, these voices. And then... His head fills with screams and people dying doesn't sound great. No. And then a moment well, later.
0: And people saying we're we're not dangerous. Yeah, yeah.
2: there's no there's no uh infection. Dis- infection.
0: Mm-hmm. Which I didn't know if they were the aliens talking.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, because at, at first you're like, oh, it's the military and there's there must be other people in this unincorporated land, and they're just wiping everyone out. But Pete, who is immediately attacked by another one of these worm monsters Mm -hmm. after he gets his hand fucked. Yeah. And
0: and the red moss starts growing in it immediately, which is horrible. He can
2: feel it growing in his hand like cancer, he says, Uh, which was the original title of this book, Uh, Fun Fact. Really? Yes.
0: Growing in your hand like cancer? No, just just cancer. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) Growing in your hand like cancer is. a metal band i think Uh, Um, that makes sense but uh he he fucks this worm up throws Mm. it in the fire and kills it but after he does that he he thinks about all of these screams he's hearing in his head as they fade out and thinking wait a second are those these monsters because
1: if so Mm. fuck them yeah (laughs) Yeah. these guys which is fantastic yeah Uh, We skipped over him stomping the thing to death and all the tendons in his knee tearing and his knee goes inside. Oh, no. And he lays there knowing that he cannot die soon enough. He's just laying there after he threw the creature in the fire and listened to it burn and scream And he's just laying there broken and hurt. He knows that Jonesy's on the snowmobile coming for him. And he's just like, oh, please let me die before any of this happens. (laughs) And closes his eyes. Uh, Now, Ben, you said you had a question that you wanted to pose about these four main characters at the very beginning of the episode.
0: Do they all have the same powers? I think it... It's slightly similar, but it manifests in different ways. See, they, they kind of make
2: it feel that way, except there are like two of them who their powers are just telepathy.
0: It's like they're they're knowing things, because Jonesy picks up on the student's thoughts, because he, yeah. he was cheating was on his mind. Yes. That's how he knows.
2: Which is pretty much the same thing that the beaver did beaver... at the beginning, because he just knows crotchless panties.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Pete's, though, was finding the line, but they all talk, about, they all talk the about the line. But they all talk about the line, which I is think,
2: why I'm like, do they all just share the same kind like powers?
0: I think but so. But Pete's
2: just better at finding stuff, I guess.
0: <laughs> well, I don't it's know. that NASA, you know, he's yeah. he loves space, so he's, <laughs> I don't know. Makes sense. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us for our next episode where we will be reading through part two. For Joshua Kahn and Benjamin Graham, I'm CM Alexander, reminding you. Maybe death was out there, and maybe it called your name. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to Dreamcatcher Part 1. We hope you enjoyed it. And thank you again to Lisa Kahn for her pick. This episode is sponsored by Old World Style Beard and Skin Care. Handmade and completely natural, nothing goes into any product that you can't spell or pronounce. We love their products, and because we can't do anything normal, we wrote ads for each other to read, and I'm going to read Josh's despite not having a beard. Here we go. I have been using the Sandalwood Bourbon Beard Balm for weeks now, and I've never smelled more like Roland Deschain. My beard is noticeably softer and feels better all day long. It doesn't leave me feeling like I've left a product in, which has been my biggest problem with beard balms in the past. Simply put, it feels comfortable, and what more could you ask for in a product you put on your body? You care about what gets absorbed into your skin, and that's why these people take pride in their process and their ingredients with smells like sandalwood bourbon, cedar leather, and more at oldworldbeardandskin.com. Feel confident in your skin with these products. Our listeners can use promo code dpr10 for 10% off your order. That's dpr10 at oldworldbeardandskin.com. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.